0: This week on The Rail Splitter, we're heading to Springfield soon, so we're going to give you a little bit of Springfield history. Now, 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 not five, not four, not two, just
1: three, the rail splitter, axe in hand, looking out at a frontier of hope and possibility,
2: in excellent to each other, and Party
0: on dudes. Welcome to the Rail Splitter, the Abraham Lincoln Podcast. My name is Rail Splitter Jeremy. With me this evening are Rail Splitter Mary.
2: Hey, Rail Splitters.
1: And Rail Splitter Nick. What's up, Rail Splitters? That have, you know, thrown us on as you do some household chores, maybe folding some laundry, maybe putting some laundry in to wash, you know, maybe loading the dishwasher, unloading it mowing the grass, picking up some leaves, although it's a little early for that. So glad you're tuning in. All
0: right. The uh, ever-evolving the ever, the ever evolving Real Splitter Nick greeting. Always a pleasure. Yes. So
1: it's good to
0: be back. This is episode 99, which is just insanity for us to even conceive. Way back when, when we started this and when Mary came on board shortly thereafter, uh, we never knew we'd make it this far. So next episode is a big one. We're super excited for it. We'll be heading to Springfield, Illinois, hopefully to see some of you in Rail Splitter Nation and definitely for all of y'all to tune in to some really good content that we have planned. Uh, we were just talking about it offline, about our plans, and it's going to be pretty cool. So we'll definitely fill you in on those before we end this evening's show. Uh, but before we do that, of course, we'd like to give you uh, any Lincoln news, any Lincoln-related news that has come up over the past week or so since we've last come at you. And I believe Mary found a pretty interesting news story this week. Mary, what do you got for us?
2: I did. So I found it's this bar in Chicago, and it's called Cole's Bar. And the headline was just, Cole's Bar Owner Selling His Beloved Abraham Lincoln Art Collection, Donating All Proceeds to Local Immigrant Rights Group. So, of course, I had to read that news story, um, and I read it and thought it was the perfect thing to discuss on the show tonight. So his collection is a mix of Lincoln-themed artwork, memorabilia, and kitsch, and Cole Bryce, the owner, said that since the Trump election, I've been looking for ways to leverage my voice and my resources to effect change. So the artwork is described as being a source of joy for patrons and the comedians and musicians who perform at the bar, and the money's being donated to the Logan Square Neighborhood Association. So the fundraiser, if any of you rail splitters are interested in going to it, is September 14th at 9 p.m. And he said that the bar owner said, I'd rather be without the painting and make an impact. So he's selling this collection. And his collection started when Bijorn, um, I'm going to butcher his ba- last name, which is really bad because I'm friends with this guy on Facebook, Skaptison. He's the operator of the Abraham Lincoln Bookshop in Chicago. He offered to sell um, Cole a goofy black velvet painting of Lincoln for, quote, unquote, real cheap, which became one of the bar's first pieces of decor. But unfortunately, it was stolen, which, what the hell? Like, Mm, why would you? Like, why? So after that velvet art was stolen, a local artist helped Bryce throw a Lincoln-themed art show, and more pieces started to come in. Um, So besides the art, Bryce also has other Lincoln artifacts, including a plaster cast of Lincoln's face and iconic photos of Lincoln printed from an original (laughs) glass plate negative. Um, Many of the artifacts are slightly damaged, which is why he's able to get them for such a good price. Um, So also at the fundraiser, he's going to be selling T-shirts. And the idea came to him when a customer insisted on buying one of the paintings And then Bryce said he would donate it to, you know, a local charity. So the Logan Square Neighborhood Association, where the money is going, was founded in 1962 and works to address the root causes of poverty and community instability, which we interpret as lack of affordable housing, inadequate quality of education, fear and isolation due to discrimination, and limited access to jobs with growth opportunities. So I think this is a really great fundraiser. And even though he's going to be without his Lincoln Art Collection... Um, he said that he would rather be left with memories and, 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 a, and a positive impact, which is really great. And I think that this is something that Abraham Lincoln would have su- supported. I think this is very much something that is in the spirit of Lincoln. And it's great to see something so positive being done.
1: Yeah, no, I great. Uh, I guess Trump was good for something. <laughs> um, no, I think that's awesome. I didn't know about this in Chicago. So um, this place existed or this happened would have been cool to go to the Lincoln Art Show, for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, no, definitely awesome. Good cause, getting it out there. Rock on. Except, yeah, for I, that, except for that punk ass who sold the painting.
0: I know. Yeah,
1: yeah, not
0: cool. So, and yeah, if you look at the, the link or, or whatever, find the article. There's um, many different styles of Lincoln paintings. They're not all just like Lincoln portraits that you could hang in your office. I mean, you, you could hang them all, but some of them are more artistic. Some of them are kind of abstract. So I think there's appears to be something for everyone. Um, and a lot of us, like I'm guessing most of the artwork would probably be out of my price range for something for the house, but it's still kind of cool to go and see other folks who are into Lincoln and might be bidding on the art. And uh, Logan square is a pretty cool neighborhood. It's kind of, uh, you know, up and coming. not I mean, not up and coming. I mean, it's been there forever, but it's getting trendier and trendier, I think for, for young people. Um, and it's kind of a, Kind of a hip neighborhood now, I think. So worth checking out um, in in Chicago for sure, Um, among many other Lincoln-related things in that great city. Uh, And we'll talk a little bit about Chicago, although in an indirect way, when we talk about the history of Springfield. Um, So as many of you know, we are going to Springfield next week. Uh, We're recording this on Tuesday. We'll be leaving for Springfield, Mary and Nick on Friday, and I'll be leaving on Saturday uh, to spend... Labor Day weekend in Springfield. Uh, So I think uh, we all kind of agreed that it'd be important to give a little backstory on Springfield and why it is uh, so important, obviously, in Lincoln's life. Um, So one of the central parts of the Springfield story and Lincoln's story and where they really align is um, how the capital of Illinois became located in Springfield. So we'll talk about that. We'll talk about what brought Lincoln to Springfield, among other things. So um, as many of you know, Lincoln was born in Kentucky, uh, Knob Creek area of Kentucky, moved to Indiana for some time and really didn't come to Illinois until a little bit later on in life uh, and wasn't really a Springfield resident in earnest until he was a, a full-on adult. So I think a lot of times people misunderstand his time. Even people from Springfield think that you know he may have grown up in New Salem and then moved to Springfield. Um, Not really, not really a child of Illinois, more of an adult young man. Um, Certainly very, very important formative years that he spent in Illinois um, in Sangamon County, um, mostly in New Salem. And then of course in Springfield. Uh, But that is something worth noting that it's not, you know, his birthplace by any means. And it's not really his boyhood home either. Um, However, Um, super, super important in Lincoln's life. Um, And the story of how the Capitol came to Springfield, I think, is important. And I would like to entertain the idea that had that not happened, we may not even be talking about Abraham Lincoln right now. And he may not have been the person that he ended up becoming as far as reaching the presidency and then, of course, uh, saving the union uh, had, I think, the, the Capitol being in Springfield may have been a huge contributing factor to that. But before we get too carried away, I know Mary, you had done some research about Lincoln in Springfield kind of before that and his more formative years there. So why don't you fill us in a little bit on those topics? All
2: right. So Lincoln came to Springfield on, and this is a very ominous date, April 15th, 1837. Wow. So eerie. Which is exactly 28 years before he will pass away. Unfortunately, um, so prior to this, he had been living in, as Jeremy said, New Salem. So one day he just packs all his possessions into two saddlebags, does the 20-mile ride to Springfield. And I think he was already familiar with it at the time. Um, so he stops at Abner Ellis's general store located at 103 South 5th Street. He knew Ellis, having worked for him for a short time at his store in New Salem, and he asked the young clerk working there about a mattress, blankets, sheets, and a pillow for a single bed. This man was Joshua Speed, who would become Lincoln's best friend. The cost of all these items was going to be seventeen dollars. And this is probably one of the more famous chats that's taken place in history that starts a best friend, sh- like you know, a best friendship.
0: Kind of um, their they're meet cute as it's called in rom coms.
2: Exactly. Yes. Um, so Lincoln says to him, it is probably cheap enough, but I want to say as cheap as it is, I have not the money to pay. But if you will credit me until Christmas and my experiment here as a lawyer is a success, I will pay you then. If I fail on that, I will probably never be able to pay you at all. Um, so Speed responds, the contraction of so, so small debt seems to affect you so deeply. I think I can ju- suggest a plan by which you will be able to attain your end without incurring any debt. I have a very large room and a very large double bed in it. You're perfectly welcome to share with me if you choose. And after that, Lincoln just takes his stuff upstairs and comes back down. And he says, well, Speed, I'm moved. And that begins this friendship. And he lives with Speed for a few years. Um, so besides meeting his best friend there, quite a few other different life events happen to Lincoln. Some of them happy, some of them tragic while he's in Springfield. So um, he meets Mary Todd and he marries her. All his children are born there. One of his children, Eddie, will die there. And after Lincoln received his license to practice law in 1837, John Todd Stewart will offer him a job as his new law partner. He has a successful law practice with Herndon in Springfield. And this is also where he found out he won the 1860 nomination. And his house divided speech was given here in 1858 at the Capitol building. So there's lots of different events that Lincoln will experience in Springfield and I think he definitely did consider it his home even though he wasn't born there um but like at first for Lincoln it wasn't really he didn't seem too happy living there because he wrote Mary Owens who he was engaged to for a period of time this thing of living in Springfield is rather a dull business after all at least it is so to me I'm quite as lonesome here as I ever was anywhere in my life um But he does manage to make a pretty good group of friends besides Speed. There's James Matheny, who would be Lincoln's best man, Milton Hay, James C. Conkling. And they would meet um, most nights and gather around the fireplace at the back of Speed's general store. And they would just have like, they had this informal literary and debating society um, and they would listen to Lincoln tell stories. And this is actually something that's portrayed in a really good historical fiction account of Lincoln's time in Springfield, um, called A Friend of Mr. Lincoln, which we actually had the author on a very early episode. Um, it is an excellent book and I would highly recommend it. And then through John Todd Stewart, he was introduced to various social circles in Springfield, um, And while he was there on July 4th, 1837, he would have witnessed the laying of the cornerstone of the new Greek Revival State, um, the the building there. And at his time there, the streets were not paved and there was these random cows, hogs, and chickens walking all over the place. And uh, Ronald C. White states that citizens debated whether the hog's filth or constant grunting was the greater annoyance. So it might not have been the cleanest city, but that was the way things were in those times, Um, a lot different than they are today. Um, And David Herbert Donald describes it um, as being like just the typical frontier town, especially if you were coming from the east. So if you were coming from like a place like New York City and you went to Springfield, you would be you would feel like you were on the frontier. You were out in the Wild West, basically. Um, but to Lincoln, Donald says that this was the most cosmopolitan and sophisticated place that Lincoln had ever lived.
0: Yeah, that's that's an interesting take on it, because there are those competing, I guess, competing images of the frontier town and then it being cosmopolitan in Lincoln's world. Uh, but if you can imagine coming from, you know, living in the pretty hard scrabble fashion that he did in Kentucky and Indiana and really in New Salem, too, that it was the first actual I don't even know if I would say city, but like, you know, more of a community and not not just farmland uh, that he lived on. Um, And he was very much um, an an, an unmade person uh, when he came there. Um, I think, and not to get ahead of ourselves, but I think this does a good job of painting the picture for what Springfield meant to Lincoln. I think there are two things that really solidify it, one more so than the other. The first is that Mary Lincoln decided that um, Abraham Lincoln would be buried in Springfield which um at the time of his death was certainly not assumed by anybody because you know it would would have made sense for him to be buried somewhere in Washington um or somewhere out east perhaps in in a bigger city uh because of the distance that they would have had to travel and perhaps to kind of solidify him maybe more historically because Illinois was still very much the frontier um but she chose Springfield um, even though he, you know, he had lived there for 25 years or so. Um, so the fact that he was buried there, and then, of course, now his Mary, Mary Lincoln's buried there, along with uh, two of his sons. Robert Lincoln is not uh, buried there. But I think the one thing that shows Lincoln's affection for Springfield more than any other is, you know, Lincoln's career is full of great speeches. I believe one of his best um, is his farewell speech, when he was leaving Springfield for a couple of reasons. One, it very much fits the Lincoln motif of it's short, kind of feels off the cuff. It probably wasn't 100% off the cuff, but it's very, you know, he says a lot in very few words. Um, it's very well remembered still. He's got some lines in there that are just so powerful. Um, it is displayed in Springfield right where he delivered it. You can go to the train depot where he left. It's very cool to see. Uh, But his speech, um, and I'll just read the whole thing. It's that short where I hope I won't bore any of you listeners. Uh, But when Lincoln was leaving to assume the presidency in 1861, um, when, he of course, he would never return to Springfield, uh, but before he boarded the train to leave for the presidency, he said, my friends, no one not in my situation can appreciate my feeling of sadness at this parting to this place and the kindness of these people. I owe everything. Here I have lived a quarter of a century and have passed from a young to an old man. Here my children have been born and one is buried. I now leave not knowing when or whether ever I may return with a task before me greater than that which rested upon Washington. Without the assistance of that divine being who ever attended him, I cannot succeed. With that assistance, I cannot fail. Trusting in him who can go with me and remain with you and be everywhere for good, let us confidently hope that all will yet be well to his care, commending you as I hope in your prayers, you will commend me. I bid you an affectionate farewell. So that speech to me just really hits his affection for Springfield. And at the same time, wrapping in the magnitude of the task before him. And then that eerie feeling when he says, you know, not knowing when or whether ever I may return when he's really not that old of a man. Um, it's just kind of like you know since we know the rest of the story it's just kind of chilling um but still very powerful so i think that that more than anything shows what springfield meant to abraham lincoln
2: i'm i'm really gra- glad you brought that speech up jeremy because yeah that that is the one thing that that as you said it shows his love um it's actually one of the speeches whenever i like <laughs> Whenever I read it, I don't know, I get more emotional than I do with some of his other speeches. I I think it's just because of how the story plays out for him that he doesn't get to return to to the town that he, you know, even though he wasn't born there, it was his home and I think he felt a great connection with the citizens of Springfield and that speech really proves it. And just the, Mm -hmm. you know, I think that I mean, you can go on Lincoln pilgrimages to many different places, but as someone that is about to go to Springfield for the first time, like, I really feel that this is like the Lincoln pilgrimage I've been waiting to take since I started studying him. You know, it's been 30 some years now. So, and I think that's just because I knew how much the place meant to him. So to finally be going there is really special.
1: Going to Lincoln Mecca. Exactly. Lincoln Mecca. (laughs) Yes. One of the five pillars of Lincoln. (laughs) All right. (laughs) I don't know where else to go with that. Uh, No, go ahead. I think Springfield is like the perfect city for Lincoln because I think Lincoln always liked to stay true to who he was. Springfield had that, but he also always had a desire to be something. You know, he was always trying to achieve this ultimate dream of like being a difference maker. And to him, Springfield was that. You saw that's the first time an opportunity there. You know, he saw things that he didn't see anywhere else because it was an up-and-coming city. It did have different, you know, luxury things as well as kind of stay true to who he was. So I, I think it was the perfect city for Lincoln. I mean, maybe, obviously, because he lived there 28 years. But, um, yeah, I'd like to think, too, if he came back, what Lincoln would have been like just hanging out in Springfield. Good old Abe. Yeah. Hanging I mean, out yeah. there
0: we don't really know. Cause I mean, he still had quite a lot of his second term left what yeah. his plans may have been in retirement. I know, you know, we know he definitely would have traveled the world probably similarly to how yeah. Grant did. Um, but would he have ended up in Springfield? I like to think he would. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's, it's hard to say. Um, Robert Lincoln obviously stayed and pursued a career out East. Uh, Mary Lincoln did come back to Illinois, of course. So, um, Anyway, let's talk a little bit about Lincoln's history with Springfield as far as as a legislator. And I think that looking at moving the Capitol from Vandalia, Illinois, to Springfield, Illinois in 1839, the the, the work was done in 1837, the Capitol was moved in 1839, is a really good glimpse into Lincoln as a legislator. He did a lot of good, um, had a lot of votes that I think... You can really look at it to kind of determine who he was as a, as a legislator and who he was as a person specifically when it came to slavery and some early dissenting votes to um, pro-slavery bills that I think get lost sometimes, but you know, that's, that may be a discussion for another day, but as it pertains to Springfield, I think it's a very compelling and interesting story as to how the Capitol came to Springfield from Vandalia. So uh, Mary, I don't know if you wanted to start the conversation, then we can kind of branch off from there. But uh, why don't you tell us the story of Lincoln and the Long Nine?
2: Okay, so the Long Nine, um, they were the Sagamon County delegation to the 1836-1837 Illinois State Legislature. And they became known as the Long Nine because two of the senators and the seven representatives were all over six feet tall. In the 1830s, this when the average height is about 5'7", you're going to stand out and to have all the representatives over six feet. So the collective height of them totaled 54 feet. So that's why they're known as the long nine. Um, So they had two objectives when they were at the legislature. Um, The first um, was the promotion of Springfield to be the capital, which Vandalia was the capital at the time. And the next was state support for internal improvements. Well, they started talking at first about, you know, the state support for internal improvements, but their real agenda was about getting the capital moved. And, um, so when Donald described, when David Herbert Donald describes the long nine as looking to Lincoln, they looked to him as the experienced legislature through the next, though he was the next to youngest member of the group and he was their floor leader. So that says a lot about, um, the impact that Lincoln has made at such a long young age in this area of Illinois. Um, So it was believed that Vandalia was too small, too inaccessible, and most importantly, too far south in a state where central and northern regions were growing more rapidly. And that's why they were arguing for um, Springfield to be the capital.
0: Yeah, and I think the, the whole kind of story is interesting because Vandalia is not... Springfield is pretty accessible. I mean, obviously, now we've got roads and highways and whatnot, but at the time it was kind of growing because it was looked to possibly be a connection from Eastern cities to the West would, would have to maybe pass through Springfield. Certainly, you know, it's, it's, it's about is, you know, it's not far from St. Louis, which was, you know, kind of just a, a newer city kind of growing and over, you know, Kansas city was obviously, these are all nascent communities, but you know, the idea obviously was already very much in place that the West was going to open up. So um, these, you know, trying to figure out where the cities were going to come through and where the traveling and shipping routes and rail routes were going to go. Um, this part of central Illinois um, kind of was emerging as possibly um, a, a important place, um, I guess you could say. So uh, Vandalia was just tiny. It was fairly centrally located. It's not actually too far from Springfield. It's a, it's a bit south. Um, the original capital was in Kaskaskia,
1: uh, which was just a terrible spot for a uh, uh, capital, um, I believe it's not even in Illinois anymore because of the river, yeah, it it's way, way west. Um, I think it's actually technically not even part of Illinois anymore. really, whoa, Something crazy like that because the river ended up like changing its course a little bit. I'll look into this as you talk
0: the The population but, today, the population of Kaskaskia, Illinois, fourteen. That's pretty epic. 14 wow. people. 14 people, not 1,400 or 14,000. Fourteen. 14 people. So, like, Bad this, choice. this family and that family. Um, so, it's down um, kind of by the southern part of Missouri, south of uh, St. Louis, um, along the border between Illinois and Missouri. So, not a very accessible spot. So, it was quickly moved uh, from uh, Kaskaskia to Vandalia. Uh, But Vandalia was a small town too. So really looking at when they decided to move from Vandalia, which, which I think is a, is a pretty fascinating story because they built a Capitol building, a new, they built three Capitol buildings in Vandalia. They built one that was destroyed by fire. Uh, Then they built another one. Uh, I can't remember off the top of my head what happened to that one. And then they built one two years before they moved the Capitol. So that Capitol building for the state of Illinois, they put, they cost $16,000, which is a, bunch of money now, you know, when you figure, uh, you know, 100, 100 change years later. Um, so it was a fairly new capital building when this big surge of moving the capital kind of started gaining momentum. Well, it's, you know, everything's difficult to look at in 1840s through 1840s lenses. But um, to look at the long nine and why they chose Springfield, well, Lincoln was You know, Lincoln and one of the senators and then another one of the state reps was from Sangamon County. So it was clear why they wanted it there. But they also had some representatives on the long nine who actually represented other parts of the state. And they were lobbying for it as well. Um, And it kind of mirrors Illinois politics of today in a way, because today, Illinois politics is Chicago and then downstate. That's kind of the lingo that we use in Illinois. So if you're not familiar with it. Rockford, the city that Nick and I live in, is considered downstate. We're about 12 to 15 miles from Wisconsin, which is not downstate by any stretch of the imagination. But anything that's not Chicago is considered quote, downstate. So um, similarly then, now it's not too crazy huge like it was Like it is now. Okay, so back then, Chicago was in the conversation to be the state capital. Stephen A. Douglas, who's going to pop up several times in our conversations, obviously, about Lincoln, from Chicago, wanted it to be in Chicago. Um, Looking at Chicago as the biggest city in Illinois, which it was, but it's not quite the Chicago and Springfield that it is today. In the 1840 census, so of course, this is three years after the decision was made and one year after the Capitol moved, but it is the most, the closest census data we have to the time. Springfield had 2,500 people. Chicago had 4,400, about 40, 4,400, 4,500. So, yeah, Chicago's quite a bit bigger, but it's not as if Chicago is this gigantic city um, yet. Um, so, there are. I get You can arguably comparable in size or roughly comparable in size, and you can make the argument that Chicago wasn't centrally located. Now, if you look, if you fast forward a little bit, uh, Chicago was at in 1840, the 92nd biggest city in the country. Uh, 20 years later in 18, I'm sorry, 10 years later in 1850, it went from 4,500 to almost 30,000. It went from the 92nd biggest city to the 24th biggest city in the country. And then by 1860, just another 10 years later, when Lincoln gets elected, there's 112,000 people in Chicago, and it's the ninth biggest city in the country. So this, I think, does a nice job of kind of showing how Illinois changed as Lincoln's you know, popularity and political career um, over those 30 years. Uh, but to go in 30 years from 4,500 to 112,000 is significant growth for Chicago. Springfield in 1840, like I said, had about 2,600. Um, in 1850, it had 4,500. So about the size of Chicago was just 10 years before. And then in 1860, it had 9,000. So it's growing, but Chicago, of course, is just growing by leaps and bounds. So um, at the time, they were comparable, and then, of course, Chicago took off, and Springfield didn't. Vandalia doesn't have any census data for 1840, but in 1850, 419 people. So I think that's part of it too. There's just not, you know, there's just nothing in Vandalia. I'm sure the legislators weren't too thrilled about the one tavern in town, and you know, the no, no, the nothing else. So uh, the other city that was in the conversation was Peoria. Um, and that the, the growth pattern for Peoria is interesting to me because Peoria was quite a bit smaller than Springfield at the time. Peoria had about 1,500 compared to Springfield's 2,500. So it was 1,000 people sh- uh, fewer. But by 1850, Peoria had passed up Springfield. And then by 1860, um, had 14,000 to Springfield's nine. So looking into their crystal ball, trying to see what was going to be the most influential city, I think everybody probably realized it was going to be Chicago. But the central location of Springfield I think is what drove the long nine. Um, there's some theories about the uh, back, a backroom deal orchestrated by Lincoln in which um, the long nine who are all Whigs decided to back an internal improvement plan, which actually ended up bankrupting the state um, and put the state in debt for decades. Uh, but they, there was a plan to spend millions and millions, I think it was like $15 million on internal improvements. Um, and The theory was from a lot of historians that the Long Nine agreed to vote for the internal improvements bill in exchange for moving the Capitol to Springfield. Now, in 2019, historians are kind of starting to divide on that a little bit. And there are, I think the trend now is for a lot of people to are finding evidence and, and supporting an argument that um, they would have voted for it anyway because Whigs were generally in favor of internal improvements, and it wasn't really a backroom deal. Um, it was really it came down to Peoria or Springfield because of the amount of people that didn't like Chicago as much, and Lincoln was able to convince people to vote for Springfield. So, um, interesting. I think that it's important to note that the capital. Lincoln. I think Lincoln's influence as a, as a legislator increased because. Of his connections in Springfield, he knew everyone in Springfield. I think he was much more of a much much more adept at um, kind of navigating the political landscape when he was in his hometown. Um, so I do think he rose to more prominence with the Capitol in Springfield than perhaps he may have if it were in Peoria. Um, and then, of course, when he goes to Congress, he's going to represent the Springfield area. And, you know, he, he emerged as kind of a minority party. The Whigs were not the majority party in Illinois. The, the Democrats were, um, and they weren't really in Sangamon County either. So he was kind of in the minority party for a large a large part of his Illinois political career, uh, which I think is, is worth noting because when he becomes a Republican, I think that might actually play in his favor a little bit. So... Um, Other real quick things about the Long Nine that um, are noteworthy Uh, Ninian Edwards was one of the Long Nine. He is very famous and important Springfield, Springfielder, Springfieldian, um, because he was Mary Todd's, uh, Mary Todd at the time's brother in law. He had married Mary Todd's sister, and he and his wife were very much the matchmakers for abraham lincoln and mary todd who became mary lincoln um so that's important and it's also interesting to note that Ninian edwards was a democrat and supported stephen douglas in 1856 and i'm sorry in 1860 and i believe in 1858 as well Uh, but in the 1860 presidential election Ninian edwards abraham lincoln's brother-in-law supported stephen douglas uh, which is pretty fascinating. So you'll see a lot of Ninian Edwards uh, signs. There's the Edwards home, of course, in Springfield. He's buried in Oak Hill Cemetery, as is Abraham Lincoln. Um, and, you know, his family and his, his children were prominent Illinois politicians as well. Um, so, yeah, that's that's the Long Nine. That's how the Capitol came to Springfield. Any sorry, sorry if I rambled a little bit there.
2: Not at all. All
1: right. I found the info on Kaskaskia. So prior to 1881, the Mississippi River did go west of the town. Then in 1881, there was a flood, and the Mississippi River shifted into a new channel, taking over the Kaskaskia River. Therefore, from that time on, the Mississippi actually runs uh, and the well, I think I said that backwards It ran on the west side of town Now it runs on the east side of town mm. So now they actually have An Illinois uh, Area code but a Missouri Zip code The only way you can get into the town is through Missouri So it actually Is separated from Illinois Still considered part of Illinois Because of the rerouting the Mississippi down there So kind of interesting That's, And the cause wow. of the flood was the deforestation Of the riverbanks at that time, so gotta, so
0: so you can make the argument that Illinois there's there's
1: parts of Illinois that are west of the Mississippi, yes, yes, now, now you can, yes, since 1881, yes, that's crazy, yeah, that's so, really interesting, yeah. I didn't know that I, I was at a conference and I remember uh the speaker was talking about that and I, I also found it very fascinating, so um, but good thing they didn't build it there because the whole town got wiped out by the flood pretty much. <laughs> And that's probably why there's, you know, 14 people living there now. But if you are a Railswooder listener, anybody in town, tell your friends. Because we could have the whole town of Kaskaskia <laughs> listening to us. Or at
0: least like 20% of it. Yeah, yeah.
2: exactly. <laughs> I wonder how Saturday nights are there.
0: It, can, it can't be that great. Got, like, I mean, they lost out to Vandalia, so
1: they couldn't have been too crazy. Yeah. Poor Vandalia, too. They, like, they built that capital, hoping that they would stay, like, Hey, look! We care. We're going to build this capital. And they were still like, "Ah, see ya."
0: Yeah, it's still there. Yeah, there's, yeah. it's still tour it. Right? I don't. I wow. mean, I you doing Vandalia. Yeah.
2: Maybe they're still holding out hope that one day, like, it'll change <laughs> and they'll get to be the capital again.
1: You think they have like the area? This is where the vote was taken to yeah. to,
2: to <laughs> the move the capital. Happened.
0: Yeah,
1: to rip our hearts <laughs> this out. <is>
2: where it <laughs> happened.
0: Um. So. The Capitol gets moved to Springfield and they build a new Capitol, uh, which is around until I think like the 1880s. It's still around, but they moved to the current Capitol building, which is, you know, one of the late 19th century marble, um, you know, beautiful creations that I am a big fan of going to state capitals. Um, it's definitely one to check out. It is the tallest domed Capitol. A little trivia for you. The tallest domed Capitol is that one. It is actually taller than the U.S. Capitol building in Washington. Um, So that it's definitely worth checking out. We will be there at some point this weekend, I'm sure. Um, But the the original state capital, they call it the old state capital in Springfield, um, is uh, not far from the Lincoln home. It is a really, really um, beautiful building, I believe. It's got a maroon wooden dome. Um, And you can tell it's like, you know, it's it's built from stone that, you know, it's the pillars are made from stone. It's very, very cool. And you can go in there and see where Lincoln uh, was a legislator. Um, The governor's office is right there. It's it's definitely a quick tour and definitely worth it. We'll, of course, be there. Um, Two very significant Illinois and American history events took place on the steps of the old state capitol. One, of course, is the House Divided speech took place there. And the other was um, you heard. You heard part of it tonight and every time the rail splitter is on. Barack Obama announced his candidacy for president of the United States in the 2008 election on the Capitol steps at the old state capitol where he mentioned the rail splitter. He said the words, the rail splitter, axe in hand. Um, so he, he uh, referenced Abraham Lincoln in that speech. And then that's where that happened. Um, and I believe that's also where he introduced Joe Biden as his um, running mate, if I remember correctly. So. Um, yeah, so that's a little bit of Springfield history. One other element of Springfield history we did want to touch on, uh, we could probably do an entire episode on the long nine and we may do that at some point. Uh, we could also do an entire episode on the Springfield race riot of 1908. Um, but I wanted to just kind of give a little bit of a backstory on that because it is, um, other than Abraham Lincoln, by far the most important history event to happen in Springfield. Um, and it is often overlooked, I think, in the history of the United States, the history of Illinois, the history of the Midwest. Uh, but in 1908, there was a huge uh, race riot. Uh, or it's called a race riot. It was more of a, um, I don't know what you would call it now. Uh, but essentially what happened was um, on the 4th of July in 1908, uh, a, uh, a white man was murdered. Uh, the story went that there was a big party, big Fourth of July party in town, um, and a someone broke into a, a, a black male broke into a farmhouse. Um, the daughter woke up and saw a figure in her room and couldn't really make it out. because, Of course, it was dark. Um, that figure went left the room and ended up getting into an altercation with the homeowner, who was a man and. Um, there was a knife and the homeowner got cut a bunch of times and ended up bleeding to death. Um, and then the, the attacker took off into the woods. Um, the, the, the two men's sons finally woke up and saw that their father was bleeding to death. And he kind of pointed in that, in the direction that the person ran off in and said, basically he went that way and the sons went to go chase him down and they never caught, they never caught up with him. Well, a day or so later, there was a black man who was passing through town um, who had been noticed as being kind of, you know, just what they would call in those days a vagrant. You know, he was arrested for vagrancy. Um, They kind of thought that he might have it. He had a coat on that may have had some blood on it and was torn. So the story goes. Um, So it didn't take them long to arrest him, um, and he was charged with, that murder around the same time uh, four young women um, or sorry, uh, there was some reports of, of, of a rape as well. Um, and um, th- sorry, th- just to go back a little bit that that person was named Joe James. He was, he was the person who was just kind of uh, the, the vagrant, so to speak. Um, then uh, a rape was reported also by a black male, Um, it was the, the victim of this was Mabel Hallam. Um, and she reported, she was, you know, reportedly a respectable young married woman who had been attacked in the same, uh, neighborhood as that murder had happened. Um, and, um, she said that she had been raped by a black man, um, didn't have much of a description for him. And eventually George, a man by the name of George Richardson was accused. George Richardson was from a prominent black family in Springfield. His grandfather ran a barber shop, and one of his clients was Abraham Lincoln. So Abraham Lincoln's barbers, and there's a nice uh, looking for Lincoln plaque uh, in Springfield where the barbershop was and where there's a quote from Abraham Lincoln about his barber. Um, and just, you know, that profession was largely um, composed comprised of African-Americans at the time. Um, so George Richardson was then, charged with with the, the rape. Um, and both of them were put in the jail, the Sangamon County Jail. So what happened after that was a mob formed outside the jail. And there was, um, estimates were about five, between three and 5,000 men outside the jail wanting to essentially perform a lynching. In other words, take them out of the jail and they would have hanged them or murdered them in some way, beat them probably. Um, So they wanted to do a lynching, lots of chance with the N-word and and various other things. Um, So sensing some trouble, uh, the sheriff decided to um, sneak the two suspects out and have them taken to another jail. When the mob heard of that, they um, went crazy and started attacking black neighborhoods. So they went up to black neighborhoods and this mob of 5,000 people basically just started burning and destroying, um, homes and businesses. If a business was owned by a white person, but they felt was a black sympathizer, they destroyed that. They tried to burn down Lincoln's home, but it was saved by Ninian Edwards son, whose name was also Nene Edwards. Um, and he stopped them from burning Lincoln's home, but Lincoln's home could have been destroyed. Um, They were chanting things that included uh, curse the day that Lincoln freed the N-words, no N-words in Springfield, kill them on sight. So this was very much a racially charged, um, you know, essentially organized attack on innocent people. Um, And it got escalated and escalated until the National Guard was called in. The National Guard had to come in and put down uh, the riot. So, you know, for hours and hours, I, I don't know exactly how long it happened. I apologize for not looking that up. Um, this white mob essentially attacked, attacked a black neighborhood. Of course, the black neighborhood did, you know, the, the residents there did the best they could to defend themselves. Um, in the end, uh, there was uh, adjusted for inflation. at something like $4 million of damage done. Um, very, very um, important event. Nine black... People died, um, were murdered. Um, seven white people were died. And for a long, long, long time, the narrative was that, um, they were also casualties of the fighting. It turned out that five of the white casualties were killed by the national guard and two of them were suicides. So actually none of them died as a result of the actual, um, whatever you want to call it, the riot. Um, why is this important? Of course, it's a huge event. People died. Um, showed the racial tensions of the time, the fact that it was was juxtaposed in Springfield, Illinois, and not far from where Lincoln's home was or where he was buried, very, very important. Um, But this was a national news story. Um, Some say that it led to or was one of the leading causes uh, that led to the formation of the NAACP, um, because it was right around the time it was founded. Um, And it definitely brought the you know, racial tension of the time to light. I think, you know, I would argue that part of the reason that it became so important and kind of became a rallying cry for early civil rights activists were because it was in Springfield, Illinois. These kinds of things happened all the time in the South. To certain degrees, lynchings happened a lot more frequently in the South, uh, but they didn't quite have the audience perhaps for you know, a civil rights kind of groundswell, maybe that Illinois did. Uh, but the, the race riots, um, very, very important event in civil rights history, certainly in Illinois history. And it's an event that often gets overlooked, um, certainly in history classes and history books. So um, I'll get, to, you know, if we end up doing a more detailed, because um, I do think it applies to Lincoln, you know, certainly at least indirectly, um, we can definitely do an entire episode on it because it's a pretty fascinating story um and you know again at the time springfield wasn't huge so it's all within blocks of where lincoln walked so the race ride of 1908 definitely something you may want to read up on um it's it's pretty fascinating and shocking that uh many of us you know i didn't know anything about it even when i was a history teacher i didn't know much about it so definitely worth checking out and we'll uh, we'll look at the, the monument that they have or the memorial they have to it when we're in springfield it's right across from the museum uh as well so that's that's what I got for the
1: Springfield Race
0: Right of 1908.
2: Thank yeah. you. yeah, thank you for that.
1: It's mm-hmm. not only overlooked now. I mean, it was overlooked pretty quick mm-hmm. uh by Springfield. When I was doing some research for the show, I came across a State Journal Register article by Mike Kensler and it talks about in 1914 uh you had basically some citizens, a group of citizens were worried about their social conditions in their cities. So basically, they undertook this massive, basically, um, study, um, which was helped funded by the Russell Sage Foundation. So you had about 120 volunteers, just about all women. They collected data from March of 1914 to July 1914. They did it in nine areas. Schools, uh, the insane and alcoholics, recreation, housing, charities, industrial conditions, public health, the correctional system, and local government. The detail of this is, according to the study, they literally went and observed at least once all 224 public school teachers. So this was an extensive study. And not once, not once did they mention the race riots that took place in 1908 and not once did they even look into race as a social issue. And to say that wasn't a social issue that needed to be studied when, what, six years previously, you had this race riot that grabbed national attention. So um, not something that was only that's overlooked now, but um, shortly after uh, it took place as well. So I thought that was kind of interesting. Uh, you can find a survey online um the actual survey so if you go to the you look it up the survey you probably get a news article that i mentioned earlier um and some kind of interesting facts basically springfield was a lot like many cities at that time at the turn of the century so um people working long hours poor living conditions for little pay yeah and but you will not get anything about the racial tension of springfield in that survey unfortunately no,
0: and I, those other issues are certainly real, and I think mm-hmm. that also kind of plays into our earlier conversation about how Springfield, I think, in many ways was a microcosm for, you know, many of the cities, certainly in the western, at that time, western part of the country. Um, so, yeah, Springfield, I like it there, uh, Just not just for Lincoln. I think it's a great town. It's, you know, it is a state capital, so there's a lot of buildings for that. So, you know, and that's the biggest employer, obviously, in Springfield is the state of Illinois, so... Uh, it's going to be a good trip. Uh, so, hopefully, you enjoyed our little history lesson on Springfield. Uh, before we get to our ending items for uh, the show this week, we do want to give you a little bit of an idea where you might find us this weekend. Um, so, jump in anytime if I get this wrong. But I believe uh, I'm not sure about Friday. Uh, do you, do either of you have plans for Friday?
2: I like Jeremy, Jerry, and I will probably be there. By around 2 or 3. I'm thinking probably closer to 3 o'clock. We don't really know what our plans are at that point. Um, probably go grab something to eat. Knowing us we won't have stopped for lunch. Um, so I'm not too sure. Well, I might look up some places and see if I can come up with something definitive for where I'll be. Um, but then I think, Nick, the four of us are going to go out for dinner, right? Somewhere?
1: Yeah. Yep. Uh, me and Carol will be in town around between 6-7, I would imagine. Yeah. Probably more 7-ish. Yeah. So, yeah. Maybe we'll let you know where we're eating. Maybe we won't.
2: Yeah, maybe we'll be all secretive about it.
1: <laughs> depending, depending on how many autographs I feel like signing. I'm just joking. <laughs> yeah. So I don't. I don't know if we'll. We'll definitely tweet something out. I'm sure. Yeah. Well, fair Mary. Well. well, and really, but by, by all means, just shout out us on social media. If you're like,
0: Hey, where are you guys at? Or what are you guys doing? Mm -hmm. You know, if you're in Springfield, or if you're passing through um, it's not that big of a town. So, you know, if we're like, Oh, we decided to run over to the, to the tomb, or we decided to run to the Capitol. They're all within five minutes uh, drive. Um, So for sure, for sure uh, right now uh, we will be attending that event at the Lincoln home on Saturday evening. Um, put on by that radio station. There's believe there's going to be a Lincoln Presenter's there. Mary Lincoln Presenter there. Um, kind of a block party. Should be kind of fun. What's the time it, on that? That's early. Um, evening, it right?
2: is from 530 to 730. And it okay. is the party like it's 1860 at the Lincoln Home National Historical Site. Um, it's sports radio, 92.3 FM, 1450 AM. Um and yeah it's just at the Lincoln home and there's going to be Mr and Mrs Lincoln there which um Mrs Lincoln's going to be portrayed by Pam Brown who has very generously offered to um come to the museum with us on Sunday so we will be meeting up with her we will be at the Presidential Library Museum on Sunday um we will be there I think around noonish 12:30 or so I think we're meeting up with her um
1: saturday night what's the place called boys again so after
0: the event at the lincoln home we're going to walk over to obit and isaacs which is on 6th and jackson the lincoln home's on 8th and jackson um and we're going to try to use that as a venue to do our recording of our 100th episode while we're there uh that's obviously contingent you know we don't want to impose on them if they're you know they're really busy they've got a really good outdoor area so we may kind of we may be camped out in front there and recorded outside. Uh, We may kind of play that by ear and we may record that a little bit later in the evening just because it might be a little bit better. So we don't know exactly when that live recording is going to be. If you're going to be in the neighborhood and kind of want to know, we'll probably have a better idea on Saturday. Um, But if it looks like it's super crowded and it's not real conducive to a live recording, we may wait. Uh, We may have to change plans into an audible at the line of scrimmage uh, but right now, the plan is sometime after 7.30 um, and into maybe Saturday evening to do a live recording of episode 100
1: there at Obed and Isaacs. Where- what we can guarantee, though, we'll be there by 8. And we'll be there. We'll talk to you. Yes. We just don't know if we'll have mics out and recording. But we're there. We're there to talk. We're there to hang out. We're there to shoot the shit about Lincoln. Sorry about my swearing. I got to get one in at least an episode. Good um and by all means i'm gonna get two in here right now by all means talk mad shit about Fillmore. yes, so, yes. uh yes. for sure so we'll definitely yeah. be there eight till two in the morning um <laughs> and then wherever you guys are partying after we'll go there uh that actually i'm not going to guarantee that but um
0: <laughs> so and then uh i'll be wearing a rail splitter t-shirt um i believe i might Saturday not be night. wearing Although, a shirt it's a long day. Nick's not
2: wearing a shirt.
0: <laughs> at some point in the day, I'll be wearing a rail splitter T-shirt. It is kind of a long day, so I may need to – and it's August. Uh, although, will that be September? No, it'll still be August. I may have to change, but uh, I'll be wearing a Lincoln shirt of some kind. Uh, but anyway, come, come talk to us. We'll have microphones. We'll probably be doing some interviews just, just because. Um, so, yeah, Saturday, Lincoln home from 530 to 730. Then we're going to head over to Oban and Isaacs. Sunday, around noon, we'll be at the museum – somewhere in there we're going to go obviously to lincoln's tomb mm-hmm. to the state capital to the old state capital um i don't think we'll get out to old salem or to old salem new to the old state capital not the old state capital but new salem, new salem. We, although we may um and then of course there's hundreds of others you know there's the frank lloyd wright uh, that's there and there's the lincoln herndon law office and the the train depot and um all of that stuff, so we're you know, we'll, we'll get to as much of it as we can, and we'd love to chat with you all along the way. And then Monday, um, I don't know what we'll be doing in the morning necessarily, but we may be heading out of town fairly early on Monday. But, um, so that's kind of the tentative plan. But I would say, check out social media if you want to meet up with us. We'll definitely try to live tweet and let you know where we're at and when we're going to be there, all that good stuff. So, we're really looking forward to seeing you there. This is a very big deal for us, the 100th episode. Um, And please don't be shy. I don't think there's going to be thousands of people fighting for time on the rail splitter. So uh, please, please uh, come and chat with us. We'd love to love to talk to you. Which brings us to our two weekly features at the end of the show. The first is of the people by the people, which is media, social media posts that uh, we just wanted to point out. Um, If it's all right, I'm going to start tonight just because I wanted to do a couple shout outs. I didn't notice it because I wasn't looking at the comments. Um, so I did want to just mention something. It's it's kind of been a while, but when uh, Mary posted our 96th episode, when I came back for my hiatus, um, some of the contents, the contents, some of the comments uh, were very kind. So I wanted to thank those of you who commented, um, Kathleen, uh, Jim, and Tom specifically, who I didn't notice that you had mentioned me my name and said some very nice things. So. Uh, I really enjoyed those comments, um, on that post and I appreciate those. And those of you who congratulated me on, um, my doctorate, I appreciate that as well. Um, so those, those were some things I just wanted to, that I saw on social media that I wanted to say thank you for. So thank you everyone who, who gave me those shout outs. And I apologize. I didn't like them or see them because I just didn't look at the comments when
1: I should have. All right. Am I up next? You are. You, your turn. All right, we got two reviews that have not been read on air. So, this is for July twenty fifth. Five star review. Just another Matt Byers. An informative podcast with extremely knowledgeable hosts. Each brings something great to the table. Just don't get them started on sickles or peach orchards. You know what? Just avoid peaches altogether. <laughs> so That's good. that is good. I like that. Um yeah, we went off the rails on that one a little. Uh then we got a, another five star review. This was August twentieth from Watchmen Studios. Um, you know, hey, Watchmen Studios, if this is movie production, Chester A. Arthur, gold. <laughs> Anyways, um as a longtime Lincoln reader, this show is a top notch conversation on Lincoln related topics, thoughtful, insightful, and full of fun facts. Easily more engaging than the deep scholarly Civil War podcast. Nice work. Keep it up. Subscribed. Nice. Well, Watchmen Studios, uh, I don't know if we're better than scholarly Civil War podcasts, but we'll take the five star review and we appreciate it. So, right now, after you listen to that, if you want to get us a present for 100th episode, give us a five star <laughs> review on iTunes. Yeah, I agree.
2: Nice. Thank you. <laughs> Um so mine, um of the People by the People comes to us from images of Abraham Lincoln. And yesterday, well, okay, so when this episode drops, it's Friday, so I'm gonna say so Monday, uh, August twenty-sixth was National Dog Day. And um images of Abraham Lincoln, who I follow on Facebook, they posted um some Lincoln statues that have dogs with them, and I thought that was pretty awesome. Um, cause I happen to be a dog lover myself, even though I don't have, I don't own one. I have, um, quite a few dogs in my life, but, um, I had no idea there was so many, there's one, two, three, four, six statues of Lincoln that have a dog on them. So are they, are
0: they all, are they Fido or just random dogs? Just or?
2: random dogs. Cause one is when he's really young. One is when he's just a boy. Another one might be Fido. But I th- didn't think it. I thought Fido looked more like a German Shepherd, and this one doesn't <laughs> look like a German Shepherd. Um, but no, just pretty cool. Um, and Lincoln was an animal lover, so I think that's really awesome to have um, some statues of him with a dog.
0: I like it. And do we have a this week in Lincoln? We do. All right.
2: All right. So Good work, Mary. So there was a um, one of our members on our Facebook page. Um, Mark, he posted some Pez dispensers. Oh, yeah. And one of them was General Grant and the other was Abraham Lincoln. And I thought that was pretty awesome. And I as soon as I thought, I was like, that's our This Week in Lincoln.
0: I like it. And we will have a whole new crop of This weeks in Lincoln because Springfield just brings them out. He's just painted in weird spots and there's just all kinds of cool stuff, so hopefully we'll we'll have a whole new crop of this week in Lincoln's for you. So, any partying thoughts for episode 99, the last of the double-digit episodes? Mary or Nick?
2: It's been quite a ride so far, a very uh, very fun one, and I'm looking forward to the next 100 episodes. And when I'm in Springfield, Nick will be happy to know that I will also be expanding my mug collection. <laughs>
1: Hope you bring a whole separate bag.
2: Well, I'm bringing a whole U-Haul.
1: <laughs> I wouldn't be. Dude, I don't know how Jerry A lives with you.
2: I don't know either. There's like, they're, they're practically like he had to put the dishes away the other day and the mugs are stacked on top of one another.
1: Are you bringing your own mug for the mornings? Like for coffee? At the no, place? I'm not
2: that bad. Actually, I'm bringing my Cleveland Indians turvis. Mm. Yeah. Sorry.
1: Ouch. Ouch. <laughs> All right, any parting thoughts, Nick? No. Yeah. Uh, keep uh, Check out the social media if you're in Springfield kind of wondering where we're at. So I'm sure we'll be posting. Mary loves Facebook live. And, mm-hmm. um, so, yeah. So yep. we'll be out and about. Um, if you're interested in uh, coming and talking Lincoln, by all means, seek us out.
0: Yep, absolutely. Don't be shy. Come seek us out. Say, hey, we'd love to see you. And the next time you hear us, we will be from Springfield, Illinois. But until then, keep walking the world with mouths toward none and with Charity for All, and we'll see you in Springfield.